Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... I'm Ben Young. <laughs> and tonight we are talking about Snowpiercer. For those who don't know, Snowpiercer is brought to you by Josh Friedman, and I'm going to assume it's Graham Manson. I have no idea. Graham Graham Manson. That's how the British say it. All right. Graham Manson. Starring Jennifer Connolly, David Diggs, Mickey Sumner, Allison Wright, Ido Goldberg, Suzanne Park. We're going to skip ahead because there's a lot of fucking people in this, (laughs) but I want to get to Stephen Ogg, Rowan Blanchard, and Sean Bean. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, boy. Oh, it's um, definitely not Graham. It's Graham. Yeah, Graham, Graham, Graham. Whatever. He's got an an uh, what is the what is that called with the A and the E? The uh, the Greek thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hey, encyclopedia. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, Right. Encyclopedia Manson coming at you live. Um, yeah, fuck. This is our second Snowpiercer episode. This is one of the f- few shows that we've like actually done season by season at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, the only show we've done season by season at this point is The Expanse, right? We haven't done a season. Two- oh, Mandalorian. Aside from The Mandalorian yeah. and The Expanse, this is the only other season. Yeah. Show that we've done multiple seasons of and i'm not mad it's uh i there are worse shows we could have done multiple seasons for like imagine like if we did two episodes over like altered carbon or like we had a second season of devs oh god oh my gosh (laughs) that'd be so bad anyway anyway yeah this was about uh, do I want to hear what season two of Snowpiercer was about? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Hit right. me up. Before Snowpiercer can begin to recover from the violent but victorious revolution, a supply train called Big Alice attaches to and boards the train. On it is Joseph Wilford and Melanie's daughter, Alex previously assumed left behind and dead after departure day. The new leadership of Snowpiercer, led by Andrea Layton, struggles to keep things calm as tensions continue to build in the wake of Wilford's reappearance and manipulations. On Snowpiercer, 1,034 cars long. The best part of the show every time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I was actually really hoping you would do it again because you did it last year when we covered this. Yeah. So I was really hoping you uh, would reprise that, and you did. Thank you very much. I, I almost for, I almost forgot. I almost forgot, it's but I remembered it at the last Definitely minute. my favorite part of every episode is that beginning and the lead up to the, whoever's narrating that part. Mm-hmm. I love it. I always do. Because uh, I'd love it's to great. see how it works in every time. It's like a, it's like a mantra, like a creed, like a, 
you know, the, the on Snowpiercer, 1034, 994, 1001. It's like, and it's always, it's always a reminder that like, you know, this is, uh, I think it's like, it like grounds the story, right? Like it always reminds you how big this place is. Well, cool. I don't know. Well, the thing I love about the way that they do it in this is, Big Alice and Snowpiercer are two separate entities this entire time, but mm -hmm. it's still in that little intro. It's still counted all of those cars together, no matter yeah. what. Which I, yeah. I love because at the end of the day, it's one train, one train. Yeah, one train. Um, yeah, you know that seems like a good place for for me to start where with where I'm at. Uh, you know, I was I've been looking forward to this. I really have. I I really liked the first season. I thought it had a lot of new, a lot of new ideas to bring to the table that the movie never covered. Now, the second season, it doesn't, it doesn't bring any new ideas to the table. It expands on the ideas it sets, it, it had set up in the first one. But nothing is, nothing's new. Nothing's like different. It's just expand. It, maybe the climate, the weather changing. That's a new idea that that they bring. But everything, like it, it, it the second season really feels like an afterthought at times to the to the show like the show could have ended in the first season before big alice appeared and that could have been it but then you know or could have honestly ended with big alice arriving because that would have been a, a poignant end like we fight for revolution and then this guy shows up to reclaim his cat his his train and that's it i i, I never never once throughout this did i feel like this was this was new it felt just like okay this is just a massive rolling stone at this point. Um, I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, well, I have a lot of things that I don't like about this season. Um, and I guess in a sense, you are right in saying they didn't touch upon anything new. But I would say that uh, class warfare and the, the struggle was the main focus of the first season. This second season was all about the cult of personality. Right. And Absolutely. I feel like that is a lot, I guess, more of the times that we're currently living in. I feel like that's more appropriate because that's something that our society and our specifically our country is struggling with is this cult of personality in which, you know, half the nation or even a third of the nation, which is still a fuck ton, is struggling with this cult of personality that we currently have. And we see this as you know, plagues in other nations like, I guess, you know, North Korea and <clears throat> other modern US, countries. I don't know. But United States of America. But like I, we see this issue of people flocking towards someone that is clearly, clearly doesn't have their best interest at heart. Honestly, probably bad for their best interest. And yet they still idolize them, worship them. Honestly, yeah, I think that's that's huge. That's huge for this season. I'll 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 accept that for like my whole thing was like it was just like okay, well before late before Wilford wasn't there, but it still felt like he was there to everyone. Now he is actually there. So what's changed? He's actually there. And I, he's proven to be a threat to the train. I accept and people that. Still I still worship I do, him. I do accept that. It, you know, it's funny for me because throughout this whole season, I had a lot of 
problems. You're going to hear me talk about believability a lot throughout tonight because I had a lot of problems with believability. Uh, and it's it's funny because I always walked that line of like, oh, my God, no one would ever do this. And I'm like, but we did do this the last four years. Right. Like like no one would ever allow it to get this far. But we did. So, like, how can I be, like, surprised that, of course, it's gone this far? This is, uh, this is, I, I, it's so hard because I want to suspend my disbelief for this train. I want to believe that this train is, you know, not full of suckers, I guess. But, like, it's, it happened here. So, like, what's the difference? And they mention at one point, I think it's Roach who mentions, you know, how quickly we forget our, you know, our most recent history. And I, I hear that and I get it all, but it's I still struggled with it this whole fucking season. Like, why wasn't Wilford killed the moment that door opened? Like the moment he showed his face. Why didn't he before he could even become a martyr, just silently take him out and be done with it? I don't get it. I really don't. I'm honestly because they just came off of a very violent overthrow of their entire society. And at the end of the day, they're trying to heal and repair their society as the best they can. And they're not prepared to just enter into that again. Mm -hmm. Also, that I think goes to show how powerful Wilford is as a person, that just his mere presence gives people pause, that they don't react. They don't know what to do in that moment. I mean, you best see it in the character of Ruth. Who on more than one occasion well, has expressed her, you know, what her uh, her devotion to Wilford, but at the same time she serves the train. So when Wilford shows back up, she doesn't know what to do. And I feel like that is most of the people in the show. When he first shows up, they don't know what to do. Well, I it's interesting you bring up Ruth because I have I have issue with pretty much everyone's arc in this in this season. I don't think anyone is actually earned. And I found it funny that the season felt rushed this entire time and yet still didn't actually end anywhere. It just ended on this massive cliffhanger that was just like, what? Like, you you didn't finish telling your story, guys. Like, you can't just leave. You, you got to finish. You have a whole other five episodes to say things. Like, what are you doing? Ruth... Toward the end of her arc, I was good with. Uh, once once she's finally, like, once she was forced to make the choice to, uh, oh, fuck, I forget what choice he gave her. What choice was it again? What did he want her to do? I don't remember. Fuck. I'll remember at some point. <laughs> once, but she, Wilford made her, when Wilford took Snowpiercer, he forced Ruth to make, to do something and she could still be head of hospitality. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I think it was something with Zara or, or something like that. Okay. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. And so he's like, okay, well then you're under arrest. And they took her to the swamp. And <clears throat> at that point I was like, cool, this is earned. This is all good. But throughout her, the whole season with her constantly being like, I'm loyal to the train. I'm loyal to this. I'm loyal to that. I'm like, this is all like, are you, we're supposed to believe this is bullshit, right? Because 
Never once was she loyal to the train. No. She was always loyal to Wilford no. throughout the entire series. No, when, um, what is it, episode seven or whatever, when the tension really starts stirring up between, uh, what, third class and uh, the Tailies? Yeah. She actually realizes at that point, this is when, like, um, Pike is supposed to get his arm cut off and Dobby did yeah, yeah, yeah. actually like steps in and like, no, cut my arm off instead. She actually puts herself forward at that moment and says, you know, well, when she, a, a, a to- not a tones, but like realizes how wrong she was beforehand and how bad she was. Yeah. And then, um, so I'm saying like the, there was a buildup there for her character. But I mean earlier, like the whole season of season two, she's like, I'm loyal to the train. I don't know why my loyalties are being brought into question. Everything is for the train. I don't care about Wilford. I'm like, this is bullshit, right? Like we're supposed to not trust her because it's being played like we are supposed to trust her. Like we're supposed to be sympathetic for her. And this whole time I'm sitting here wondering why she's not in prison, like why she's not in a cell right now for what she did. Like she was a horrid human being. And the fact that she got to continue to walk among everyone just blew my fucking mind. And I get the whole yeah, but at idea the end of, the day of like that she wasn't calling the shots, though. I mean, Jennifer Connelly's oh. character was the one calling the fucking shots. And why did and and, and she got to why walk did she get freely. to walk around? Yeah, she shouldn't have. Well, her her whole thing was she was banished to the engine. She was not allowed to leave the engine at the end of season one. I remember that. And then Wilford showed up and threw a wrench into everything. Right. But Ruth was part of the of the circle of leadership the whole time. She represented hospitality in the circle of leadership. And that just blew my fucking mind. And she's like, oh, they don't trust me. I'm like, no shit, they don't trust you. You're a psychopath. You are an insane person. They don't, they sh- you shouldn't even be here. I don't know. It, her, her arc really bugged me. Leighton really bugged me because never once did I think he made a smart decision. And I don't know if, like, I, maybe they wrote him to be stupid. Maybe they wrote him to be a bad leader. But- no, it's, it's, he can lead a revolution, but there's a difference between inspiring sure. and leading a revolution and actually leading a democracy or a representative democracy in the aftermath. Okay. And I'm glad we actually brought That's this fair. up because if we look at revolutions in history, American Revolution, very successful. At the end of the day, it was the upper class that sparked it, led it, and then in the aftermath, cleaned it up and continued leading. In the French Revolution, which was a fucking nightmare, you didn't have the same thing. I think this is in that case where the upper class is not leading the revolution. You run into the same problems because the upper class later on is going to hinder the progress that you're trying to make, which we, we saw. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll try to hinder the progress. You know, upper class has resources that lower classes don't have. I I get all that, um, and I, I I'll I'll, t- I'll accept that. Uh, this is a lot of this podcast episode is going to be me talking through my conflicted feelings on this show. I think <laughs> because because I want to like it, I really do. Because there's stuff to like in this, mm-hmm. but this this is definitely I, I I think it's safe to say I don't like this season as much as I liked the first one. Um, season one was way more powerful to me. I, I liked mm-hmm. it a lot better. I will not yeah. I will not say 
that this season is better. I do like the direction this season took, though, however. I feel like it was a natural progression. I love the the introduction of Wilford into this whole thing. Because before he was there, his influence was present, but we didn't have the charisma, the character that is Wilford. Okay? Okay. That's why I love it. Like Sean Bean, to me, was the best part He's- of this season. Hands down. He's always great. Hands He's down. always great. Hands down. And oh my God, just the psychological effect that he had on everyone around him was insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He was, uh, he's a force. He's a force to be reckoned with. And uh, he definitely felt like it. That's for sure. And honestly, that's what did it for me this season. If it didn't have that, I, I would have written this season off as awful. But Wow. Really? Yes. Um because in terms of like character development, I feel for at least the middle part of the season, Till's character, super weak. They did not do a good job handling that. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. She got better later on, but yeah, still. I was super excited well, when they made her train detective. I was like, fuck it, yeah, here we go. But it was not good. They uh, they they fell back on, a, on an old noir trope that I'm not a fan of because – it because that's her you know her story is very noir it's very early you know uh early Leighton the first half of season of season one Leighton mm-hmm. had the same the same kind of styled story and uh it's an old trope that I don't like because it it renders the character pointless which is they they figure it all out right when it's too late and I hate that because it's like, well, then why did we go on this journey to begin with? Are you are you trying to talk to us about the futility of man? Or are you trying to tell us, you know, like, what are you trying to say here? Because I think in some cases in noir, while I don't like the trope, like, that could be a thing. Like, you could be talking about the futility of our actions and, and the ultimate pointlessness of everything. It's always very nihilistic. But with Bess... I don't know. It just felt it felt cheap and it felt like a way to move the plot forward. Yeah, especially when the uh, the preacher ended up being like uh, Wilfred's contact or one of his contacts, I should say, on the train. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the ringleader. I thought that was so weak in a way. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I think it's like especially uh, how quickly she figured it out. I don't think there was enough there to justify that. But still not quickly enough. Because right. It was right. Too late. Right. I mean, it was so yeah, it's like, oh, fucking coat, button, tall person, preacher is bad guy. I was like, okay, I would have liked <laughs> oh, the a shepherd. Bit, it was, I would have liked a little bit more mystery there. I found it out before she did. Oh, as soon as, uh, no, no, as soon as uh, they were all the, uh, what are they called? Not the brakeman, the breachman? Yeah, the breachman. The breachman, where they're all sitting there dead, all eight of them. And uh, the leader is. I forget his name. So it's the B. Bosco. Bosco. It's sort of crying, and when the uh, preacher gets up, we're just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna look after him for you. You do your thing." The like, the look in his eye, the way they capture him, like, "Oh, that's the fucking bad guy." Sick. He's the so baddie. Sick. Yeah. I mean, I wish they made it a little bit more uh, opaque at that point, so we couldn't know. But yeah. It, I. By the way. I'm also just fucking furious with the with the cold trope right now at this point. Josie survives a room full of ice. 
and this dude puts a bag on his head for five seconds and he dies. Bullshit. I, I, oh, I got so mad. I was like, come on. Like, it's such a waste for Bess to be like, here's this conflict and now it's dead. Now you're done. Bye-bye. Go be an advisor to Wilford if you want to do that, I guess. Oh, but he's not going to listen to you. Oh, just everything with Bess is... Bess was a wasted character. They didn't know what to do with her. Yeah, she was a great character in season one. Wonderful. In the first couple episodes of season two, I thought she was great. I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. invested. I love this character. The the soldier with PTSD situation. And then it just got super weak from there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I I, I wonder if we can also agree on, because you've talked me off the ledge on most characters that I've been upset with. I wonder if we can also agree on... The, my, the absolute hatred I have for Audrey. See, not and not in a way that they wrote her to be unlikable. I just hated every single second that she was on the screen. I hated every single second she had a line. I thought it was the weakest written character I've ever seen. I will agree with you that her character was uh, very weekly written the direction they tried to go in with their character i'm not mad at i thought that was a great no. i thought that was good i just wish it was written better this right the story of a woman of an abuse of, of an abused woman returning to her abuser is a powerful story exactly yeah. that can be told never once did i believe that she to the point where I was like at the end I was like why are they holding her hostage she's on their side <laughs> like I was like I don't believe she went back to him wait do you guys believe she went back or am I supposed to believe she went back to him oh oh god this isn't good well <laughs> that's where I, that was my my progression throughout I, I, this whole I thing I definitely what was the name of the hospitality from um Kevin. Kevin. As soon as she turned Kevin and then like, I was like, okay, this is fucking weird. She's going overboard. And then when she takes Kevin back to um, Wilfred, I was just like, oh no, they didn't do this, did they? Where like in that moment, that was her reaffirming her devotion to him and not her convincing Kevin to be devoted to him. And that was like- That that was the weakest part, yeah. That was like a camera breakaway moment, too. So that was the perfect moment for her to be like off camera. Hey, Kevin, you're you're right. Wilford's a piece of shit, but I need you to like pretend that everything's OK right. so that I can slit this right. dude's throat when it's time we, or something like that. Right. That would have been way better. Yeah. Like it would have been great. And then Kevin and Audrey team up beating the shit out of him would have been fantastic. Um yeah, I, I, I think Audrey was my least favorite character last season as well. Yes, um, absolutely. Not a lot of development <laughs> on her character last season. This is going to sound so mean, and it, it's not meant to be because I know she's good. Uh, it's just, um, it's what they do with her. It's what the showrunners do with her. I think they try to make Lena Hall appear more talented and desirable than she actually is. And that's it's not like and that she can actually portray, I should say. She can't push that forward in a character, so I don't believe it ever. You get but, what I'm saying? But also, we don't fully understand the relationship between Wilfred and Audrey. No, no, no. Uh, I don't prior mean to the show. I don't I mean bet- 
Sorry, I don't mean between her and Wilford. I just mean in general, like her being this night car, uh, like matriarch. Like it was supposed to be like in the first season, it was supposed to be like everyone was obsessed with her. And she never gave that kind of like power forward that it seemed like it. So I was automatically like, no, I this doesn't, I don't believe this in the first season. And even leading into the second season, with the, her, the incredibly strange scene of her singing uh, Give Me a Reason while also talking to Wilford in her cup in between it. Very strange. Mm. Yeah, that was that was weird. I guess we could say that in the event that, you know, 7 billion people die and you're stuck on a train with, uh, you know, several thousands maybe she is that awesome eh, fair Who enough knows? but even still like i'm not i'm not speaking on her looks or you know right, right, right. I, i'm just speaking her. on the fact that she's just not making me believe it you know she's never once made she all all she's made me believe is that if i was stuck on a train with her i'd be annoyed with her at every turn <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what i believe out of this character i'd be like oh audrey went back to wilford yeah, of course she fucking did. Whatever. Uh, like that's you know it's and I know that yeah. sounds mean because I I'm sure she you could tell you could tell she's like she's good she's just not good for this role. All right, I can take that. I can accept that. Um, that view that does make a little bit of sense because there are times where it's like this just doesn't seem authentic. I think that's the end of my negative criticism on characters. Oh, wait. There's there's the big one. Don't tell me Pike is Stephen Ogg. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're going to we're gonna fanboy over Stephen Ogg here momentarily. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did they do to Melanie? The fuck was that? So for those of you who haven't watched, Melanie Cavill, the secondary character of this show is killed off screen for no apparent reason except she just got tired of waiting and okay, yeah so oh my god so they tried to play this off with the fact that um she had to like conserve the hard drives sure with heat yeah but everybody knows with technology that the cold doesn't hurt it it's the heat that hurts technology i think deep freeze could hurt technology i do i do i do believe that because if it gets so cold it could start to crack the metal you know things start to compress why didn't she just put them in the geothermal area she could have done that uh why did my big thing is like yeah she she used she still had her suit when she left. So my big thing is like, yeah, she clearly used some of the remaining power of the station to keep the tech warm, the data. But why didn't she stay just in case? Well, she said she ate through all of her resources. So why don't we stay anyway, just in case when you will run out of food, when you are lost, you stay put. And I don't like it was so like. Like, Melanie had gone through so much, uh, like, character repair throughout this season. For her to just suddenly be... She literally walked away from her daughter to die at the end of the season. After all of this that she's done. At first, she leaves her daughter to save the world. 
something that's incredibly hard for her and it's noted and it's believable and it's good and that's fine why don't you think maybe it would help your daughter to have a body that she can you know have some closure in your death yeah you walk but, away what but that's that's what the that's what the journal does though that journal is supposed to bring her the closure i think um in, in a sense you know I, it doesn't bring me the closure <clears throat> I am going to say that I still don't buy the way in which Melanie died is sufficient enough. But I will say that her death is important uh, to the, the, the development of the show and how the show goes forward. Especially if her daughter is going to become a, an important character. I think that is actually huge. I think if they if her body would have been at the station and she still died off screen, I would have been more okay with it. I don't know what they're doing by killing her off screen and leaving no body like that because there's no way she survives. I don't care what they say, and they're trying. Oh no! I wonder if she's dead. I wonder if they're trying to like make it so that I don't know if Jennifer Connelly exited on purpose or if that was the plan the whole time. I don't know if they're looking to bring her back. I don't know. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, if she survives, then Javi survives. Oh, poor Javi. <laughs> yeah there's no way Javi survives but I'm sure they'll bring him back for season 3 we'll see okay wait I, I looked things up I decided to google oh boy she has not left the show Jennifer Connelly has not left the show hmm uh, Becky Clements executive producer has said that we are pleased that Jennifer will join us for season 3 well I mean you could easily do flashbacks or something dumb Though Clements told Deadline that Melanie will join us for season three, she also told TV Line that she thinks the character might be dead. I don't know if I'm going on the record that she is done for, the EP told the website, but I don't know that she is alive. Of course, <laughs> Newsweek is quick to remind us a golden rule of TV is that if we do not see a character's body, then they are probably still alive. Oh, thanks, Newsweek. Oh, man. I was so worried. <laughs> I really expected her to be in the in in the uh, the spring, the hot room. Well, that, that, that bullshit of them giving us two different times where they're like, oh, this is clearly a body. Oh, God, it's not a body. She just put all her clothes inside this blanket for some reason. It's just... And, and, it's and everything with Melanie sums up my entire issue with this season. It feels like they were moving characters around to support the plot rather than writing for characters and making the plot move as a result of their actions. Oh, I'm not going to argue with you in the fact that the writing was the weakest part about this season. It absolutely was. Um, and if anything, I think the strength of the season is that the actors were able to carry it through. Yeah. Um, despite the bad writing, I feel like uh, and honestly, I was not a fan of his for the first half of the season, David uh, Diggs. I didn't think he was that good. But I think he brought it back the second half of the season. He did good enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I always loved David Diggs, especially I, I loved him in the first season really like a lot. And yeah. uh, I, I think, yeah, writing and direction. I don't think a lot, I don't think a lot of the, the actors are getting the direction that they need in these instances. And I think it shows. I really do. I would agree. Um, hopefully in season three, and honestly, I didn't know the show got renewed for season three until 
I looked it up after the I, I finished the season. I was like, okay, okay all yeah. right, we're definitely getting more. Sweet. Um, I think it needs to end at season three. Do not do another season after this. Uh, I think I can agree with that. I mean, I want to know the ending, but I don't want them to stretch this out for much longer because I feel like at this point they might have already stretched out this show longer than it should have been. Um, you know, I could have seen a resolution at this point. I think if they did three eight episode seasons, it may have been better than three ten episode seasons. You know, yeah. Cut out some filler. Cut out some shit that doesn't work. You know, let it let, let it breathe a bit more. The classic let it breathe. Yeah. You want to talk about Stephen Ogg? Alrighty. We could talk a lot about Stephen Ogg. That's fine. This is, uh, I feel like people will always be like, oh yeah, Stephen Ogg from GTA. And he's cursed for that forever. That will always. But he's not though, because that literally is his magnum opus. No, this is his magnum opus. No. Stephen Ogg delivers his best performance yet. I'm not going to say of his lifetime because he's got more coming. Mm. This dude is going to be a powerhouse. I will say that moment when he is asked by Davi Digg to do the, uh, sorry, Davi Diggs, to do the, um, the assassination, the unimaginable, which by the way, fucking stinks of, of, uh, like Soviet Russia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stinks of Soviet Russia. Um, but yeah, he's asked to do that unimaginable. He's asked to do that assassination, do the dirty deed. And to his core, it shakes him. And I really appreciate the fact that Stephen Ogg just made that work. Oh, I yeah. believed it. I believed it deep down. He did not want to do that. He gave his reasons why. He talked about how he's a better person. And even when he had to go through the the deed. I'm sorry for all these spoilers, people. If you know, if you've gotten this far, but even when he had to go through with that assassination, yeah, he gave that person a way out. He gave them a choice. Gave them a chance. He want yeah, chance. He wanted to make it honorable. He he didn't give and, him a choice. He said he's got to do it, but he gave him a chance at the very least. Right, and then, and then when that person still like tries to do him dirty, he's like, you know, it shook him to the core. And I love the way that you know he shaves his beard. He shaves his hair off, and it really just fucks him up. Mm-hmm. I thought that. I think it's interesting. That was great. It's interesting because I I think in Hollywood the trope of like uh, of cutting your hair and such has a lot to do with uh, abuse trauma. I think that's something that kind of follows that around those themes, and it it still feels like Pike is going through that. Like yes, he murdered a man, but he's he is a victim of state abuse at this point. You know, he is he is being asked to do this not because he's he, you know, he's not the best man for the job to do this. He's, Absolutely not. He's not the, you know, he doesn't make the most sense. He's the dirtiest man for the job. He is the person who they can ask to do this and in their minds, you know, in the mind of Leighton, he's like you know, he'll be fine. Pike can do this. If anyone can murder a man in his sleep, it's Pike. And as a result, he is destroyed. He also, you know, part of him dies in that room as well. And it's so sad. It's so to ex- sad. To an extent, I will say that I don't think 
Leighton said he'll be fine, he can do this. Leighton didn't want to do this to begin with. It was his advisors, right. people telling him this is what should be done. No, I know. That's unfair for me to say it. But, but even the point is that it's still, you know, it's state abuse at the end of the day. It's taking someone who they really shouldn't have done put in that position and pushing them just a little bit further for their own gain. Yeah. No, definitely. Honestly, the saddest part of it for me was when he was uh, shooting him with the foam gun, sticking it in his mouth and, and shooting it in. And he's just like, and he was like nearly crying, yelling, you know, I tried to make it fair. And he's yeah. just like, oh man, dude, like he has, he has, he's gone at that point. I'm really, really excited to see where Pike ends up in season three. Yeah, honestly, we'll see. What happened in season two is definitely not going to go away. I think what Dobby Diggs did for him is going to go a long way with take me instead of, you know, Pike and all that, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's clearly battling with demons and I think we're going to end up in a depression a depression phase here really soon you know he's clearly dealing with anger and mania i think he's gonna come down here soon i think it's already started yeah yeah to be fair but uh yeah it'll probably get worse before it gets better for sure wow steven Ogg, king steven i will fanboy over him any day of the week because he's not the best actor, but he definitely brings it. Mm-hmm. And then we should also talk about Rowan Blanchard. Rowan Blanchard. So I will never be a fan of teenage actors. <laughs> she's an adult now, for the record. I think she's in her 20s. No, she's 19. Um, was she? Fuck. I will. I'm never a fan of teenage actors. I thought she did exceptionally well. I will say, well done. I uh, I watched Rowan on the hit uh, reboot, Girl Meets World, which oh, okay. she plays Riley Matthews. Well, she's come a long way. <laughs> well, well, what I would say is I think she there was a great balance between the petulant teenager, moody, and also you have no fucking idea what I've been through. The fact that I'm here now speaks volumes to my character. Mm-hmm. I... She actually did that really well. I, I I was actually pleased with that. I normally I hate it when like teenagers are on screen and acting. She's not a fan. Never once did I hate that during her. For a while, the show. For a while, I was a little conflicted with her her very quick turn to accept Melanie. Um, because I was like, "Hey, girl, you have a right to be pissed the fuck off." Like I don't care how how much Melanie thought it, she was doing it for the greater good. You have a right to be furious with her, absolutely. Uh, but then as it went on, I was like, you know what? I'm actually happy we don't have like the child irreparably pissed at their parent trope. Like she listened to what Melanie said. She, you know, to an extent forgives her, but she doesn't forget. You know, she's like I. She understands, and it's she's it's, an engineer, right? It it really fleshes her out into a fully rounded character more than just an angry kid, right? Right. And honestly, I will say to a certain extent, and forgive me for saying this, but I feel like Wilford's raising her made her a stronger person. 
Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Uh, I it didn't occur to me that they were that it was like Melanie was her mother and and Wilford was her father until the it was I think it was the last episode where it hit me. I was like, because I always saw it more as like a mentor relationship. And then mm. I was like, I was like, oh no no, he is the father figure, not just a mentor. He's a father figure. It took you that long to realize that? I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, a... I, my brain goes mentor, and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. That and was I move her, on. that was her parent. Yeah, no. Well, In the you absence know. of her mother. It, it's you can, it, you, that would yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It should have taken. I should have noticed it sooner. I'm an idiot. All right. It was yeah when she was. What did she say? I I think it was something he said to her. Where he, he he mentions I mean, he said I, it like I think he mentions episode. that he thought he raised her better or something. He says it like every episode <laughs> that basically he insinuates that he raised her. So uh, it's but, just, hey, sorry you missed it. Hey, there's times where I get lost a lot. I was just busy make, being angry. I don't know. I thought we were off of making fun of me. Ben, do you want to go into? Do you want to go into good sci-fi, bad sci-fi? Do you feel like we could do that at this point? Almost. I'm almost there. I have. Yeah, I, so, so, I wanted to speak your piece. Speak your piece. I wanted to just make fun of the show for a minute. Because uh, <laughs> the sci fi is off the rails now. <laughs> Did you like that? Did you like that? <laughs> We're off the rails now. Um, I, I reject pretty much any scientific notion that this show tries to make at this point, besides the climate, uh, the climate changing back sooner than believed. That That was an interesting twist. And. Uh, that's actually from the movie, I believe. I believe at the end of the movie, the train derails and they find out that it's actually has has been warm enough to live out there for quite some time or something. Well, doesn't that's not the first time that's happened in a, in a movie with the Ice Age concept. Uh, I think Day After Tomorrow, whatever the fuck it was with. Uh, yeah, D- D- oh, with Dennis Quaid, Dennis Quaid and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, yeah, very good. He was a son. Um, yeah, at the end of the movie, they they notice that the Earth kind of reset itself; it cleaned itself. So it's I uh, kind of like that. It literally, in the case of the day after tomorrow, it happens the day after the day after tomorrow. Like it's just like a, a quick storm, and then it's done. <laughs> right, you ain't got to ride the train for seven years before it happens. Which honestly, I think it would take decades for the world to kind of reset itself, but. I have no issue with the climate stuff. What I do have an issue with is the goop that the what are they called? The penguins or the hegwigs or whatever? What who gives a fuck? The the all the that mad shit was scientists. bullshit. The cold the cold science, I was like, I'm over this. It was so like juvenile in a show that should have been fairly grounded and interesting. Right. The people that were immune to the cold, uh, what's his name? Uh, cold Bob, Cold Bob, or I see, I see Bob, or the Cold Man. He had cold two man. and then what's her name? Uh, Josie, Josie. All of that shit was bullshit, and I did not buy it for a second. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, like you asked me to believe that we invented a perpetual motion machine in time for for the end of the world. Fine, I believe that. Uh, you know, the end of the world creates technological crunches. You ask me to believe they made goop that functions as, I don't know, wax for skin. Disgusting plot device. Yeah. yeah I don't don't do that again. Don't come to don't talk to me about them ever again. Uh, yep. Showrunners. And then um, 
there was another weird science that I was like, this is dumb. But I don't think I remember it off the top of my head now. That's okay. Yeah, there was... <laughs> yeah, that would be a huge complaint to mine when it was clearly and obviously just a plot device to um, keep the show moving forward at times. I, I thought that was weak. Oh, They could have done a lot better. And uh, and and you know, just another example. I, I'm I'm jumping back from science. I'm sorry. We, it's probably not even worth it. But I was just gonna say another example of the show just kind of rushing through without actually ever taking the time to breathe on anything is like Bosco's turn. Like when he 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 goes that he breaches to go fix the water thing and he finds a hammer outside and he just goes, oh yeah, Wilford did this. You were right. He's an asshole. It's like this dude who is who is literally like a Wilford supremacist. You know, he is he is being given the 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 white supremacist treatment at the end of the day. He really kind of is. And he's like oh it takes one one thing. That's all you needed to do. Clayton's like, "Well, I'm glad we planted that hammer out there. We never would have gotten him on our side." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wow. believes no one else. Like is he just so arrogant that he believes no one else is capable of breaching out there to put it there? Like what? Like could be, or maybe that the fact that they're the breachmen, they just don't think anyone else on their train is capable of it. So it clearly has to come from the other train. I don't know. I, I just, know. Uh, you know, if if they gave it a couple episodes, like if he literally was just like, if he was like, I need to think after he did it. And right, then, right, right. And then they like found him later when they all had to do the thing. Like that would have been he, fine for me. <laughs> And he's gotten more evidence to support yeah, his absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, look, things suck with Wilford around. Surprise! That's the other thing is I was like, when it was when everything was happening, when he finally took control of the train, I was like, wow, who would have thought? Roach Roach went to the ice box. We didn't talk about Roach at all, who is always wonderful. Um, what's his name again? The actor's name? I don't remember. Mike O'Malley. Right. Uh, he's always great, uh, but I, I really just is like he gets he gets sent to the stasis pods, and I'm like, oh wow, who would have thought that leadership of a rebellious opposition ends up getting put in jail at the end of the opposition? <laughs> I could have never seen that coming, Roach. Like just yeah. out of principle of not going to jail, I would have not wanted that dude in charge. Like, yeah, 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 all's forgiven. Don't worry about it. <laughs> No, he. Every one of you are gonna go to jail. It's and, and if it looks like you're okay, you're not okay. He's gonna do something worse than that. So, don't <laughs> just don't give him power. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Ben. Good sci-fi or bad sci-fi? Uh, at the end of the day, it's it's. It's all. It's barely good sci-fi. I'd say that. Like we're right on the edge of good and okay. Uh, it's not nearly as good as the first season, but it's still like like you say it uh, keeps the it keeps the train a rolling. You didn't say that, but you said something to the gist of that. Uh, it keeps the train moving on on ideas that it had in the first season, uh, introducing you know climate change and climate denial, which was always always fun to see in my TV. I, and of course, the cult of personality. Uh, you know, Joseph Wilford is a great is a great question of what if Donald Trump was smart, and <laughs> basically, boy, I don't like that answer. So uh, yeah, this is a, this is a dystopian sci-fi for the books. 
though it could have been executed much better. So I will give it a good sci-fi. All right. Thank you very much, Ben. I will concur and say that this was, in fact, a good sci-fi. Um, it could have been executed a lot better, but I like the questions that they pose. Um, and I hope, I hope, in season three, uh, we will get a natural conclusion to this. I hear you, Rick. Uh, I hope we will get a natural conclusion to this, but... Uh, I could see them just fucking it up royally. So we'll see. What if season four has ice dragons, though? Oh, why are you bringing up season four? Because season four has ice dragons, and then season five, um, they will just all the character development that has happened up to this point will just get thrown out the window for a quick and expedient uh, resolution. Here's looking at you. It's 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 whatever character has the best story is the character that leads the train. There you go. I like it. Uh, so that's going to end up being Melanie back from the dead. <laughs> no, it's going to end up being uh, who is the uh, the child? Winnie. It's going to be Winnie. Winnie has the best story. She's going to she's going to be the one. Uh, yeah, I would. If I were Winnie, I would have stabbed Ruth and be like, go to hell, bourgeoisie pig. I mean, I think she wanted to, but she was too small. OK, <laughs> what's your problem? I'm small. All right. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. That is our take on season two of Snowpiercer. Um, obviously, we have our gripes with it, but at the same time, I think it's good enough to warrant you watching if you haven't already. Oh, it's uh, it's if you watched season one already, so you can watch season one on HBO Max. Uh, you could download the TNT app and watch season two for free like now. Just so you know, like you don't need to sign into anything. There you go. I I, uh, I found that I out because it. It, it it I was watching it through my parents' TNT like cable subscription, uh, and then they just switched it to free today. So ah, so as of today, as of recording, so yeah, you guys do that. Uh, next week, I believe we are hitting up that young. Stowaway. Stowaway. That's on Netflix, right? Uh, it is. It's, it'll be on Netflix uh, Friday, I believe. All right. Wait, maybe so, it might already be on Netflix. Who knows? Either way, for those listening, that is our next our next episode. So make sure you watch Stowaway, and we will let you know how awful it is or Ooh. how good it is. Stand by. Week. Okay, never mind. That's Germany's release date. Why is Germany's release date on there? I don't give a shit about Germany's release date. It's on Netflix right now. Deutschland, Uber, Unless you're in Germany, then it won't be on Netflix until May 6th. Sorry. All right. I think that'll do it. Oh, also, the week after that, we're finally doing uh, Blade Runner. So. Blade Runner. Well, until next time. <laughs>